I've come on assignment today. Anybody on assignment? I've been on assignment since August. Been on an assignment to, to reach people. Been on assignment. If you're like, what do you mean on assignment? That was Vision Sunday, everybody. I hope you haven't forgot about it. We're called to be on assignment. We're called to go. We're called to make a difference in this world. We're not called to just sit in this room and soak up teaching and go home better. We're called to take our better into a lost world that is dying, that is broken. John chapter 4, Jesus is with his church. There's 12 of them. I guess in the long run, he would only have an 11, 11 because one of them, Judas, did what he did. But there's a small church here. And he's looking at him and he says this, he says, do you not have a saying that there are yet four months and then comes the harvest? Do you not have a saying that there are four months and then comes the harvest? What Jesus is talking about here, you have to understand the backstory. As Jesus is standing with his small church and standing with his disciples, he's referencing a moment that just happened a few verses before. A moment where Jesus decides to, that he must actually go through Samaria and he has an encounter there. He encounters a woman at a well and little did she know that she was about to encounter him, somebody that would change her life forever. He sits down and they have this dialogue and this conversation about thirst and he looks at her and he says, I bet you're thirsty. You know, it's, it's not just me. That, that you need to give a drink to, but I can offer you a drink. I can offer you something that'll satisfy you. See, you've been trying to satisfy your life in all the wrong ways. You've been trying to satisfy your life in her situation with men. But he said, those things have left you empty. Those things have left you, left you dry and wanting more. See, we've all been there, right? Haven't we been there where we tried to satisfy our life with all that the world could offer? tried to satisfy our lives with maybe success. We tried to satisfy our lives with, you know, maybe, maybe certain vices, whether it was a hobby or an addiction. Those things at the end of the night when we lay our head on the pillow, they can leave us empty. They can leave us wanting more. And Jesus looks at her and says, you don't have to want any more. I've come to give you a drink that when you drink from me, I'm a living water. I'm a living water, and when you drink from me, you'll never thirst again. You'll never be thirsty again for all the wrong stuff, but I'll do something that'll change you. I'll do something that'll give you more hope than you could ever imagine. And so in this moment, this woman encounters Jesus, and it changes everything. Isn't that your story? You encountered Jesus, and it changed everything. I know some of your stories. I've set in a room. I've had coffee. I've had lunch with many of the faces out here. I know that Jesus changed your life, that you encountered him, that God changed your marriage, that God changed your kids, that God changed things that were going on in relational situations. It changed everything. And so this moment changed everything for this woman and a natural response that she had after everything changing was to go and tell everybody about it. So she ran down into the village and she began, to, she began to start the first church, tell everybody about the hope in which she had found. And so that's, that's where we pick up this verse of scripture. As Jesus is looking at this moment with the disciples and he says, 
See, you have a saying that there's four months until the harvest, but look, open up your eyes, the NIV says. Lift them up. Said, you see the fields? They're white. They're ready for harvest. Open up your eyes, he's saying to the disciples. Look at the fields. They're ripe. Ripe for what? Ripe for harvest. They're ripe for now. They're not ripe for a day one day in the future. They're ripe for this moment. They're ripe for today. They're not ripe four months from now. When things get back to normal, they're ripe today. The harvest is now. If I were going to title my message today, it would be simply this. Dear church, the harvest is now. Dear church, the harvest is today. Dear church, this is your moment. I can't help but to think of Hamilton. I'm not going to miss my shot. Hey, I'm not going to miss my shot. See, I'm young like my country, scrappy and hungry, because I'm not going to miss my shot. Some of you are like, what in the world is going on today? <laughs> See, that's, that's my prayer, that you would understand, dear church, that the harvest is now. This is our moment that, that we don't have to miss our shot, that there is a world, and I know I'm just kind of launching into it. I wish I had a funny story to tell you, but today I'm on assignment to say that, that there is a world that is desperate for Jesus. I've never realized that more so than going in and planting a church. There is a world that is desperate for Jesus, that is hurting, that is broken, that needs some hope, and is the hope in which many of you have. And so I don't know if you know this about you, but... When, when you said yes to Jesus and you made, you know, the decision to follow him, he actually wanted to turn you into something. You know, Matthew verse 4, I want to read this passage of scripture to you. And we see Jesus calling, calling his first disciples. And it says, Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee. And he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea for they were what? Fishermen. For they were fishermen, and it goes on to say, Then he said to them, Follow me. Follow me. Follow me, and I'll make you into something. I don't know if you've ever thought about that passage of Scripture, but, you know, when Jesus, you know, if I were there in that moment, said, Follow me, I'll make you into something, there's a lot of things I would opt for him to make me into. Come on. I'd opt for him to make me a little skinnier. I'd opt for him to make me a little better looking. Actually, he doesn't have to. I'm pretty good looking, my wife tells me, but <laughs> I'd opt for him to make me a better leader, a better pastor, a better dad. I'd opt for him to give me a little bit more money, you know what I'm saying? Anybody, anybody ever just, if you thought about it, you thought, you know, there's a lot of things I'd opt for him to make me. I'd opt for him to make me better at my job. I'd opt for him to make me better at, you know, I wish I was a little bit taller. I wish I was a ball. <laughs> I'd opt for that. I mean, there's a lot of things that I would opt for Jesus to do, but unfortunately, he doesn't listen to me. Unfortunately, he had a way that was higher than my way. And so Jesus looks at him and he says, hey, if you follow me, I'm going to make you into something. I'm going to make you into something that you never dreamed of, you never asked for. I don't know if you've even imagined it, but I'm going to make you into something that is what I want to make you into. 
And he said, if you follow me, I'll make you into something. I'll make you into fishers of men. Oh, no, is this an evangelism message? Yes, it is. This isn't one of those, like, you know, evangelism messages where, you know, maybe what you think, where, where I'm telling you to get out with a bullhorn or, you know, put on the white dress shoes and go knock, or white dress shirt and, you know, black dress shoes and go knock on a bunch of doors. No, this is a message on the why. The why that you're supposed to invite. The why that there should be something in you that goes and tells everybody. And the why is this is who God created you to be. When you said yes to him and you made the decision to follow him, whether you realize it or not, he said, I'm going to make you into something. I'm going to make you into fishers of men. See, no longer will you be fishers of fish because that's what you were, fishermen. But now you're going to be fishers of men. Isn't Jesus brilliant with his word choice here? He says, I'm going to make you into fishers of men. I'm going to turn you into something that you never thought you would get turned into. But what I'm going to make you into, it will be the thing that if you allow yourself to be made into it, it'll change the world. It is the assignment in which my father has sent me for, that I would take upon the sins of this world, I would nail them to the cross, and then I would, I would leave a group of people to spread this message for generations to come. And we're sitting here today because God made these men fishers of men. We're in this room today. Your marriage is better today. Your family is better today. That addiction you never thought you'd beat, you beat it today because these men decided, I'm going to be fishers of men. And so you want to know what a byproduct is of following Jesus? You want to know what a byproduct is of you stepping back and saying, I wonder if my relationship with God is good. I wonder if my relationship with God is, is where it needs to be. I'll tell you a great answer to that or a great way to answer that question is to look at your life and ask yourself the question, do I wake up every morning with the desire to be fishers of men? Because if you don't, there's another level that you can go to. There's more, than, there's more that he wants to do through you. See, he wants to do a lot for you, but he also wants to do a lot through you. Yes, he does want to help you. Yes, he does want to make you better at life and make your life better. But he also wants to do extraordinary things through you. See, as a follower of Christ, here's one thing that I've learned that, that, that is this, that followers, they fish. Followers, they, they, they invite. And we go throughout the Bible, all throughout Scripture, we see this to ring true. That when people encountered Jesus, they went and they told about it. See, it's our most natural response to encountering God is to then go tell other people. See, when we truly encounter God, I believe it unlocks something in us. I believe it changes something in us. I believe that it awakens something in you for more, for purpose, to go and make a difference. See, did you know that Jesus wants to awaken something in you? He wants to do something through you that you could never even think ask or imagine and it's to change the world you might be thinking well that's a pretty daunting task well that's what he came to do a pretty daunting thing through ordinary people Jesus wants you to fish he said I'll make you fishers of men but here's why we struggle there's so many reasons why we don't invite one it's just because we didn't know that we were supposed to right 
What I know I was supposed to invite. I mean, isn't that like a spiritual gift or something? I mean, isn't that the pastor's responsibility? I mean, some of you are laughing, but for some of you, maybe you're like, I kind of thought that. That's kind of true. I, 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 didn't know, I didn't know I was supposed to. I thought I was just supposed to come to church, and you know, I thought I was supposed to read my Bible and pray and fast, and if I do those things, God really loves me, and you know, we're all good. I'm going to heaven, and, and it's great. This is not a message about how to get to heaven. This is a message about how to take people to heaven with you. And some people are like, I didn't know I was supposed to. Other people are like, well, I, I don't even know how. I'm just afraid if I invite people. I'm afraid if I have a conversation with somebody, they might ask me a hard question. And I didn't go to seminary. I've never even did a Bible study. I don't even know if I could answer the questions. And so I'm not going to invite because I don't really know how to. And let me tell you, these, these excuses, okay, or these reasons, they're, they're natural. They're normal. We've all been there. Or maybe the last one is this. You're just afraid. Like if I invite somebody, what will they think about me? What will they say about me? What if they say no? I mean, I've put myself out there. You know, I, I invited them. I mean, you know, it takes a lot. You ever been there, right? Like you psyched yourself out. You're like, today's the day. I'm going to invite them to church. Today's the day I'm going to extend the invitation. And then they say no. And you're like, oh, man, are they going to like me still? me? Do they still love me? And so maybe you've had an experience and you're just afraid, or maybe you haven't had an experience and because you've never heard a yes, you're afraid that you'd get a no. And these are all natural. Your pastor has went through things like this, but there comes a point when you take a step, you learn that, that while they may feel natural, they're not true. Maybe, maybe this one, you didn't know you're supposed to today. I hope to give you the why so you know why you're supposed to. You didn't know how. We've all faced that before. Okay? Maybe you're afraid. Today, I hope to overcome these things, to give you the why behind this idea of you can do this. You can extend invitations because the harvest is now. And so I want to give you four things today um, that I think when it comes to the why will really help you in this area of evangelism or extending invitations. Um, but, but, but the first is this. I, I think the reason why, before I get into my points, this is such a perfectly timed message, is next week you have an incredible opportunity. Over the next four weeks, our church is entering into a series called At the Movies. This is one of the very best environments, the best time of the year except for Christmas and Easter to just extend an invitation. We see more lives change during this series than any other series we do. On top of that, studies have shown, and I have no idea why, that the fall is a natural time where people say yes to an invitation. That for whatever reason, people either come back to church or say yes to church more so this time outside of Christmas and Easter than any other time. And so this is just a great season for us to teach this to you. And, you know, part of our job as pastors is to feed you and lead you. And so we want to feed you for a while on some things, but then we also want to lead you. And, and this is that message. I'm leading you into a season that you're about to walk into as a church. And you've got to get this because this is our moment. The harvest is now. This series is a great opportunity to extend invitations. So let me give you four reasons why you should do so. Number one is this. There's just joy in inviting. 
There's just a lot of joy in inviting. In fact, one of the biggest thrills, one of the biggest thrills that you could ever have in your life is extending an invitation to somebody and then them saying yes and sitting right beside you in church. I see some heads nodding because you've done that before. You've invited and you've seen the difference it can make in somebody's life, and there's just a joy in it. There's just a thrill. I remember a couple years ago, uh, I was in a, a program here called Leadership Fredericksburg, and you're assigned a mentor. And at the beginning of that semester, I sat down with my mentor in our first conversation. My mentor kind of laughed at me, and he said, I can't believe they partnered me with a pastor. I'm an atheist, uh, maybe an agnostic. I don't really know what I am, but that's what I am, and you're a pastor. So I don't really know what we're going to talk about this year. I don't know how I'm going to mentor you. This is just really funny. It's like he was laughing, and I thought, man, this is going to be fun. This is going to be fun because I'm going to meet with you every month. And my joy that's inside of me is to get you sitting next to me at Christmas. And so that was August. And guess who sat right there at Christmas? My mentor. That was an atheist agnostic that never wanted to come to church. It's fun. It's fun. There's joy in inviting. I was so fired up. I wanted to tell everybody about that moment after that. Man, you never guess what happened. I invited. I went out there. I pursued. And they showed up. It's fun. Inviting is fun. There's a thrill in it. There's a thrill in the pursuit. There's a thrill in, you know, I, I, when, I, when we moved into Louisville, man, there was a thrill of meeting people at the park. There's this one family that my wife and I decided we were going to go to the park every single day, and we were going to meet this family. Six months later, they're having dinner in our home, and then the next week after that dinner, they're like, we're going to church. This is the best thing that ever happened to me. And now my best, or my, my little boy's best friend uh, that's in school that we played with at the park every day, they all come to our church, and so now it's my son's church friend and school friend and everyday friend just because we were so excited and fired up about inviting. We knew that there would be so much joy in doing it. And so I love it. And you know, the angels in heaven love it too. I love what Luke 15 says. It says this. It says, likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels over one sinner that repents. Inviting is fun. Inviting brings joy. There is joy in heaven when we extend an invitation. They sit in that chair. They say yes to Jesus, and it changes their life. Heaven throws a party. And so inviting, there's, there's joy in it. Not only is there joy, but it's also necessary. Inviting is, is, is necessary. You know, the Bible says this. It says, for everyone that calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Saved from what? From hell. I know that's not popular. Did he say hell? Yeah. That's why the doors of this church are open. It's why we started this church. So that people far from God, so that people that didn't have hope, so that people that would not hear, well done, good and faithful servant, would be able to stand in the, in the doorway of heaven and hear, enter in, come on in, your name's in the book, heaven and hell are real. See, there will be a moment where we will stand in the presence of God, and your name will either be written in that book or it won't be. I mean, this is the gospel. 
This is the essence of why we have a church today that heaven and hell are real. And so as a church, we want to populate heaven, pull people out of the depths of hell and say there is hope. There is hope. I mean, that's the gospel. That's why we exist. And so inviting, it's necessary. We have a great responsibility because everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And let me show you the responsibility in this scripture. It goes on to say, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? So to be saved, you got to believe. But how can you believe if you've never heard? And how can you hear unless somebody tells? I love how Paul just puts it so plainly. He says, hey, there's, there's a necessity in this thing. Heaven and hell are real, and everyone that calls on the name of the Lord, they shall be saved, but they cannot be saved if they do not believe, and they cannot believe if they do not hear, but they will never hear unless you go and tell and so that's, that's us. That's our responsibility to go and tell. And here's my responsibility. Here's Pastor Daniel's responsibility. And how will anyone go and tell without being sent? And so you're sent. You're commissioned. You're called. We send you. We deploy you to go into the world and make a difference. How will anyone go and tell without being sent? That is why scripture says how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. Ain't nobody got beautiful feet except for the feet of the messengers that bring good news. You know that is true. If you look at your feet and think they're ugly, we'll start bringing some good news. No, this is a little heavy in here. Number three. If that wasn't enough, right? Not only is it necessary, but Jesus asked us to. Jesus called us to invite. In Matthew 28, 19, we know this as the great commission. It says, therefore, go. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And this great commission that we see is actually found all throughout the Gospels and even in the book of Acts. We see it all throughout Scripture as they close these books of the power of Jesus saying, this is what I came to do through you. I came to do something in you and that saved you, but I also came to do something through you and that's for you to go and make a difference. And so Pastor Daniel covered these in Vision Sunday, and least we forgot, let me just share them with you again. Then in Mark, he said to them, what? Go. Again, Matthew, go. Mark, go into where? All the world. Preach the gospel to all creations. Then in Luke, he says, and uh, it was also written that this message would be proclaimed in authority uh, in, in what? His name to what? All nations. Beginning in Jerusalem, there is forgiveness of sins for all that repents. That's the gospel, to go, to just spread Jesus, to repent. And if you do, God's here to forgive you, to save you, to make you new. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, here it is. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, here's my mission. I came on mission. I came 
on a rescue mission. As the Father has sent me, now I am sending you. And so all throughout the Gospels, we see this great commission that God has called us to go. And in the book of Acts, see, but you will receive power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you to be what? To be witnesses. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you to be witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You know, I was reading that scripture and many of you guys, you've heard this scripture so many times, right? You'll receive power. It'll come on you. And so often, I think we mistake what the power's for. God will give me power to heal. God will give me power to be holy. God will give me power to have faith. And God does want to do all those things. God does want the Holy Spirit to come on you and comfort you and make you better than you and, you know, anoint you and all these things. But he said, that's not the reason I gave you the power. Those are some byproducts of the power. But the power was to go. The power was not just for you. The power was for you to go and be witnesses. You want to know why God gave us the Holy Spirit? He gave it, yes, to comfort us and yes, to use us, you know, to lay hands, all this stuff. But he gave us the power of the Holy Spirit to be witnesses, to go out and have courage and boldness and to step on the front lines and say, in the name of Jesus, I will not let my city die and go to hell, but I will reach and I will seek and I will go and I will... Come on, I, don't, I think about three people are with me. But he gave you power to be witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and to all the earth. This ain't a game we're playing, church. We've got power in us to go. We've got power in us to be on assignment. You want to know what kind of church we are? We're a great commission church. You might be thinking, is this a Baptist church? Is this a Pentecostal church? Is this a seeker church? What kind of church is this? We're a great commission church. I'll tell you what kind of church we are. We're a church that wants to see people far from God. Far from God. Those that don't know God. Those that don't have hope in God. We want to see people far from God become fully alive in Christ. What kind of church are we? We're the kind of church that has a backbone to the enemy. That says, you will not let my son. You will not let my daughter. You will not let my co-worker. You will not let my family go to hell. I will reach for them. I will invite them. I will drag them to church. I will do whatever it takes. I will pay whatever the cost. I will do whatever because we're a great commission church. We're a great commission church. That's why 50 people about 16 years ago said, hey, will you come? Will you come? There was a difference. They looked out in this city and they said there's something needed here. There's something that is needed in this city. There are people that don't believe. And so Pastor Daniel said, I'll come in, but I'm not just going to play games. I'm not just going to do nice things. I'm not just going to create programs and have softball teams and all that. I'll come in, but we're going to be on assignment. And for 16 years, the reason why the doors of this church are open, the reason 
reason why they're sending pastors to Kentucky, the reason why they're opening campuses all over the state, the reason why they're investing in Richmond is not just to be a big church, it's not just for numbers, it's not just to make some magazine, the fastest growing church, it's because we want to reach people that don't know God. We want to take people and say, there is hope. You're thirsty, but you never have to thirst again with Jesus. Oh, dear church, the harvest is now. Oh, dear church, it's not four months from now. It's not when things get back to normal. The normal is now. So walking through downtown last night, and somebody ran out of a restaurant said, oh, Pastor Sean, there you are. I see you. Oh, this has been such a rough year. This has been such a tough year. said, how's the church? How's God in your life? said, well, I haven't been since the pandemic. Let me tell you, this church matters. This church, there's something special about being in the room with other believers on mission, on assignment. I wanted to say... Where do you live? I'm picking you up in the morning. I'm bringing you to church with me because God doesn't have time for you to sit in the cave, sit in your bedroom. There's a calling on your life. There's a mission on your life. God is all over you. God wants to do something through you. Come join me. Get in the building. Let's join the army of believers that are called to make a difference in Spotsy, that are called to make a difference in Stafford, that are called to make a difference in Culpeper, in Richmond, in Kentucky, and everywhere say why is this guy screaming so much because I told God I'd empty myself out today I said I didn't come to impress I came to help I came to make a difference I came with a word in my heart to go and tell the world that wasn't enough give you the last one here Someone once invited you. Someone once invited you. Your life is better. Your life is better. Said it a while ago, but I... As I look out and I see some of the faces in this room, this has been your home for a while. I know your life is better. I've heard your stories. I've seen your tears. I've seen the passion in which you serve because God brought you out of something. God healed your marriage. God set you free from that addiction. God gave you hope. Someone once invited you, and now you've got rivers of living water flowing through you. And so why would you not want someone to experience what you've experienced? Why would you not want somebody to have the life change that you've had? See, this thing was never meant to be kept to ourselves. It was meant to make a difference in us and go through us. I thank God for 
Kara and Eunice Whiteley that picked up a 15-year-old boy and took him to church in Green Forest, Arkansas to start my journey and a guy that then invited my dad to church at a gas station changed my life forever and someone invited me to church and my life is better for it my family's better for it and so it's the least that I can do it's also the best the best that I can do is to be on assignment because God saved me God changed me so with your head bows your eye your head bowed your eyes closed just want to read a passage of scripture over you. Pray for you. It says, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in the synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, for they harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, look, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. And so today, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray earnestly to you, God, that you would send laborers out from this room. Father God, I commission this church as you've called me to do. I've commissioned this church today to go, to go into the highways and the byways, to go into their job, to go into their schools, to go into their families, to go into their neighborhoods, to go into every place of business that they walk into and go. Go and spread you. God, I pray during At The Movies that we would see a harvest of souls in Jesus' name. Dear church, the harvest is now. You are the laborers, so go, go. Thanks for joining us for today's message. Feel free to rate, review, and share with a friend. If you'd like to find out how you can get involved or partner with us financially, visit lifepoint.org or download the LifePoint app. Thank you for your generosity. We can do so much more together than we ever could apart. See you soon.